Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special crossover edition of Locked On New York Rangers and Locked On Nashville Predators. We're going to be discussing Nashville's run to the Stanley Cup final under new Ranger coach Peter Laviolette. Also going to be talking about Peter Laviolette's track record with young players. All this and much, much more on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers and Locked On Nashville Predators. <laughs> All right, welcome back, Ranger fans and Predator fans. We do indeed have a crossover edition for you guys here today. This is John Chick with Locked On New York Rangers, joined by my good friend Nick Morgan of Locked On Nashville Predators. And uh, both of us, thank you guys, as always, for making both shows your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, and we are, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And so, Nick, figure we might as well just jump right into it here. Uh, Peter Laviolette with an interesting tenure as the head coach of the Nashville Predators, of course, highlighted by the trip to the finals during his uh, third season there. But why don't we go back to where it all started? Uh, the Nashville Predators hire Peter Laviolette to be their new head coach. And I uh, just want to get your thoughts. You know, how did you react when that happened? Was he the guy for the job? How were you feeling when they initially announced that he was going to be the guy? Well, first off, John, uh, good talking to you. Yes, Happy sir. to be on. And uh, hello to all the Locked On Rangers uh, loyalists out there tuning in. Uh, yeah, I mean, Peter Laviolette came in an interesting time because he was the guy that replaced Barry Trotz, who had been their coach for over a decade since day one. Um, and I think the consensus was that Barry Trotz's system had just kind of gotten a little bit stale in Nashville. So here you have Peter Laviolette come in. He won a Stanley cup with the uh, Carolina hurricanes. He took the Philadelphia flyers to another Stanley cup. And I think there is just a lot of buzz about what he can do with a team like Nashville, a team with some good pieces, kind of a mix of a couple of veteran guys like Shea Weber, Pecorine, Mike Fisher, and then a lot of up and coming young talent. That was when Roman Yossi was first kind of breaking into the league and Matias Ekholm. So there was a lot of, you know, I think excitement as to what he can do with the players that the Predators had available at that specific time. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I think there was a lot of excitement when he came in as coach. And I think a lot of people were just kind of ready to try something new, a new strategy with how the Predators played. Yeah, sometimes you just need a little shakeup. And I, I think, you know, NHL coaches, for the most part, they have, you know, a, a fairly short shelf life in comparison to some of the other major sports. And as you mentioned, obviously, Trotz had been there uh, for a long time. But you, know, you touched on the run to the Stanley Cup finals for the Predators under Laviolette. That happened in 2016, 2017. It was interesting because they were actually the last team into the playoffs that year in mm -hmm. the Western Conference and one of the weaker you know, regular season records that they had under LaViolette, but obviously everything came together. They beat the Blackhawks, uh, the Blues, and the Ducks. They make it to the finals. They lose to the Penguins. For what it's worth, Nick, I, I can pretty much vouch for, I would say, 99.9% .9 of Ranger fans when I say we were rooting for you guys to beat the Penguins in the finals <laughs> that year. But uh, just kind of uh, recalling that run there, I mean, first of all, just, just from you as a Predators fan, uh, how much fun was that? And did you feel like they had a run like that in them that season under Peter LaViolette? You and I think everybody outside of Western Pennsylvania were cheering yeah. for the Predators yeah. uh, in that playoff series. You know, at the time, it, it was unexpected. Uh, the Nashville Predators, as you mentioned, kind of snuck into the postseason 
that year, you know, PK Subban was injured. He was sort of the big offseason acquisition. You know, they had sort of the past few years flirted with playoff runs. You know, they got they played Chicago very, very closely in the in the year that the Blackhawks won the, the Stanley Cup in 2015. Uh, they took the Sharks to seven games in round two the next year. Um, the, the year the Sharks played the Penguins in the Stanley Cup Finals. So there's always sort of that, you know, the Predators are going to be a tough out. They just had never really broken through yet. They had always been that team that plays the really good teams close, but just can't quite over, get over the finish line. That Blackhawks sweep, I, I think, was the first time that everybody was like, okay, there's something different about this. This feels like the breakthrough. Uh, and then, you know, from there, you know, beating St. Louis, beating Anaheim, who back then, you know, people got to understand the Ducks were probably one of the Predators' two biggest rivals at that time. You know, I think that was just sort of a, a changing of the tide uh, a little bit and, and got us thinking, okay, like this group of Nashville Predators is different than just sort of that scrappy underdog group. Like this is a team that we can actually actively build around. And it's funny because Peter Laviolette was a big part of that, but that expectation uh, from that Stanley cup finals run is also kind of what led to Peter Laviolette's downfall as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely want to get to that eventually, you know, everything that transpired before he got fired. And if you were on board with them making a change at the time, we'll get to that eventually, but uh, to kind of build on something that you just talked about there, I wanted to ask you a little bit, a little bit about, excuse me, some of the young players on the Predators, uh, specifically the season that they went to the finals, because you know, when the Rangers hired Laviolette, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm looking up information, and all these different coaching candidates. And with Laviolette, you know, the three different teams that he's taken to the Stanley Cup final, there have been some young players on all those teams that were, you know, starting to come into their own and in some cases are, are still playing and still having really nice careers. And the Predators are no exception to that. I mean, you look at that roster for the, the year they went to the finals. Uh, Kevin Fiala was 20. Forsberg was 22. Arvidsson was 23. Uh, Johansson was 24, Jan Kruk was 24, Ryan Ellis was 25, uh, just to name a few. So some young players that were starting to come into their own and in many cases still having really nice careers for themselves. So I'm just wondering, do you feel like LaViolette, you know, did he help those guys along at all? Does he kind of click with uh, younger players? Just kind of give me a feel for, for that dynamic there, if you can. It's funny because it depends on who you ask. There's a lot of people that say Peter Laviolette doesn't really have the best track record with younger players, sort of a, a short leash and everything like that. I actually think when you go back and look at the Predators, like three head coaches uh, before Andrew Burnett got hired this season, Laviolette has one of the better track records uh, with younger players. And you mentioned he came in uh, the year Philip Forsberg finally, you know, so, like solidified his place on the team. You know, he was the guy that really gave our Ar RV Victor Arvidsson a chance to, to earn his spot. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, Kevin Fiala, it's unfortunate he got hurt early in the, that playoff run because it felt like he also sort of had that late season run uh, to come in. I, I think the thing with Peter Laviolette is he's not going to gift anybody a roster spot. Um, and I think maybe that was what, what soured some people uh, on, on the, you know, in the Nashville Predators fan base is there, there's prospects that they thought should be playing uh, prospects that they thought should be playing a, a little bit better um, that they, and so a lot of people were like, Oh, look, look at what Laviolette is doing to young players. They've hit their cap. They're not going to grow anymore. This and that. 
But then you go back and you mentioned Philip Forsberg, uh, who not only, you know, broke into the team with Peter Laviolette, but wound up growing each year and, and growing into a consistent 30 goal score. Um, you know, Victor Arvidsson was another one I mentioned. Somebody like Matthias Eckholm went from sort of, you know, a fringe depth defender to a, a solid part of the, the top four. And yeah, you know, there's some guys that year like Colton Sissons came in and kind of shored up the bottom of the lineup. Kevin Fiala, we mentioned, even like when the guys started getting hurt in the playoff run, you saw guys like Freddie Goudreau come in and Pontus Auberg have really good runs that playoff season. So no, like Peter Laviolette's not going to be like, hey, there's this top prospect. We need to play him. Here's the the number two spot on, on the second line. But he's not, you know, if there's a player like that who's playing really well, who's on a roll, who's got something going, he's not afraid to be like, okay, you've just earned more ice time. And I think that to me is how Peter Laviolette handles the younger players. Yeah, I've kind of noticed that a little bit. I can remember there was a show uh, on, I think it was HBO, The Road to the Winter Classic, that they do every so often. I'm not even sure if the NHL still does it, but uh, years ago, it was Rangers Flyers, and Laviolette was the coach of the Flyers, and he talked a lot about earning your next shift kind of thing. So uh, mm-hmm. it's good to know that he continued doing that with the Nashville Predators. Uh, one other question that I had here for sure that I definitely have to ask you about is – you know, with Gerard Gallant as the head coach of the Rangers, obviously he kind of split the fan base a little bit. Some fans liked him. Others really didn't. I'm appreciative uh, for what he did when he was here. Uh, but one common complaint about Gallant from Ranger fans, I think, was that he was very trigger happy when it came to line combinations. You know, guys mm-hmm. wouldn't really have a whole lot of time to gel with each other. You know, if you have a period where your line doesn't really do a whole lot, you're going to be broken up in the next period. Uh, how's Laviolette in that regard? Will he give guys a chance to gel or if he's not liking what he's seeing, does he hit the, the scramble button? Uh, yeah, if, if you don't like the constant line changes, you're, you're going to have to buckle in for Peter Lafayette a little <laughs> bit. Because that's, that was sort of his reputation in Nashville is just a, a little bit trigger happy. You know, you, you'd have a line get going, you know, and, you know, that, that'd be good. They'd be good for like a couple of games. And then it, it would be halfway through the second period and, you know, you, you might be down two nothing or something like that. You would just have a completely different lineup uh, from what you've had the past couple of games. And, and you know, it, there's a couple of ways you can look at it. You, know, you can look at it and it's like that's just a coach trying to fire up his team, like trying to get players uh, who play well together in certain spots. Maybe, OK, th- this lineup we had against, you know, Philadelphia it might it worked against Philadelphia might be different against New Jersey who plays a little bit different or something like that. That might be something, you know, to expect. The other way of looking at it is just, you can't get consistent chemistry. And I think towards the end of Laviolette's tenure in Nashville, that was sort of the biggest complaint is that the lines shuffled so much and you had different players playing with different people that you can never really find who gels with who. So there's two ways to look at that. But yeah, um, and and I don't know much about how he did things in Washington, but based on his tenure in Nashville, yeah, you're going to have to deal with a couple of random line changes here and there. Fair enough. Uh, I got a couple other questions about La Violette, Nick. And uh, again, thanks for joining. And, you know, we'll get to those in just a second. But uh, we do have to let everybody know here that today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers and Locked on Nashville Predators is brought to you by Athletic Greens. 
I started taking AG1 about 15 months ago, and I gave it a try because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. I drink it in the morning every day before I pretty much do anything. It gets me ready for the day, gets me ready for my full-time job, gets me ready to uh, record episodes of Locked On New York Rangers, the whole nine yards. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. AG1 also helps you build your health foundation first. All great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. A lot of them also drink AG1, and that's why I'm a huge fan. With every daily serving, I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. It's a micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps just about everybody take great care of their health every day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL network. Check it out. All right, and uh, Nick and I would just like to once again thank everybody, as always, for making Locked On Rangers and Locked On Predators your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And so, uh, Nick, to kind of just keep things rolling here with La Violette, I wanted to, you know, kind of fast forward to, you know, basically the end of his tenure there. Uh, He gets fired about midway through, or not quite midway through, the sixth season of his tenure there in Nashville. And you mentioned uh, this a little bit earlier in today's episode where he almost kind of fell victim to his own success. The bar was set so high. And when he was fired, they were 19, 15, and 7. Uh, Did you see that move coming? Were there any whispers about it? And did you want it to happen? Or would you have liked to have seen him get a chance to at least finish that that final season there? Well, well, there are some fans. I don't know about whispers like from the team or or anything like that. Um, You know, it came out later that just, you know, maybe they just needed to kind of shift the culture in the locker room uh, a little bit, maybe a little bit different doing things. There was sort of that dreaded quote unquote, he lost the locker room talk uh, going on. And, you know, they just kind of needed a different voice there. Um, So that's the only thing I would say in terms of whispers, there is obviously fans. I think after the Dallas series, the year before where a lot of people were predicting the Preds to be kind of a dark horse to win the Stanley cup. Uh, and, and the Preds, you know, get stomped in the first round by, you know, a division rival in Dallas. I think there's a lot of fans that had completely kind of soured on Laviolette then, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I think we can kind of look back and just say the roster uh, wasn't really great. You know, Kyle Turris, you know, the guy that they paid $6 million a year for for six years uh, kind of wound up being a dud. Uh, You had some, you know, younger players step in that, you know, weren't a good fit or, you know, you you made that giant trade Kevin Fiala for Mikhail Granlund and that sort of wound up, you know, biting them in the butt a little bit. And then, you know, you, you had some regression from other players, a lot of injury problems. But, you know, I, I think that was just a lot of people expecting the Nashville Predators to compete. You know, they won the or they made the Stanley Cup in 2017, 2018, 2019. They won the Central Division, um, you know, and, and there is a president's trophy in there, too. So I think a lot of people after they added Matt Duchesne in that in that offseason, a lot of people were saying, OK, the Predators 
need to be sort of the best team, you know, in the central division, or at least one of them, like they need to be the team that makes the run. And the fact that they had kind of just played so uninspired, uh, you know, it looked like, you know, line changes every day. And then you just kind of saw signs that maybe players weren't motivated as much, or, you know, weren't really um, enjoying the game, so to speak. That's, you know, I think at that point it was just, it, it felt like it was time to do something else. That makes sense. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with Barry Trotz, where sometimes you just need a shakeup, you need a new voice. And, you know, these NHL coaches, they don't last forever. Honestly, five and a half seasons is probably uh, longer than most of them last. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear your perspective on that. Um, you know, talk about Laviolette. You've mentioned a couple of the, the, fun moments, the good moments while he was coach of the Predators. Is there anything that like really stands out for you? You know, a playoff series win or uh, anything it might be a funny moment, anything with, uh, with the Peter Laviolette era in Nashville there that you'll always look back really fondly on. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think from a hockey perspective, his entire run in that Stanley cup, you know, finals run was a masterclass. I mean, look, he lost Kevin Fiala. He lost Ryan Johansson. Uh, he played a lot of games in the Anaheim series without Mike Fisher. And, you know, a lot of other players were coming in and out of the lineup just because of the pure amount of injuries and stuff that were going on. And he managed to piece a pretty good team together that made this run. Uh, off the ice, there is one moment. I believe this was 2018 or something like that. It was like the day before Halloween. And Peter Laviolette comes out to the little like media area with just this massive like <laughs> werewolf mask. I saw that. Yeah. And, yeah. and says absolutely nothing. Just says, okay, do you guys have any questions? And just everybody's like laughing. And he's like saying, no, seriously, any questions? Like just like deadpan. And yep. you know, I think it was Adam Ving and like, our old athletic reporter that finally goes, uh, so, so what is this? And uh, he, he wound up making like a bet with the team where if like they won uh, or if they scored a power play goal or something like that, I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, you know, he, he would have gone out to the media just dead lace doing this giant mask and, and he lived up to it. So, yeah, I mean, for, for all the talk about Pierre Laviolette and, you know, kind of being like a, like a strict guy in the locker room, I think there there's some lighter moments there where he's willing to have fun with his team a little bit. It seems like he sneaks those in every now and then. I actually saw, I was going to ask you about that as well, the the interview that he did while he's wearing the, the bull mask over his head. And the, the fact that he just played it completely dead serious the entire time, just like we're just supposed to accept that he's wearing a bull mask, that, that's what really put it over the top for me. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, th there was something similar, though, with the Ranger introductory press conference where uh, he was up there, and it, one of the first things he said was like, his wife told him that he needs to smile, but he's not really a smiler. So I'm going to try. And then he did it. And it was like just this weird, like purposely awkward smile that he did there. And that got kind of a laugh too. So yeah, strict, but I guess he'll sneak a joke in there every once in a while. So that's good to know. Yeah. Um, one other thing, last question about La Violette. So it was an interesting situation because with the Rangers, you know, obviously they're, they're searching far and wide for their next coach and who's it going to be. And I felt like the two guys at the end who were most in the running, the two finalists were Lafayette and also another former national Predator head coach. And that was John Hines. Wow. And at that point, you know, Ranger fans were kind of oh, Lafayette. I don't know. Maybe this could work. He's not my favorite, but I, I guess he's had some success. Once those two kind of emerged as the two finalists, I, I think a lot more Ranger fans got on board with the idea of Laviolette being the head coach. And I'm not even convinced that wasn't the strategy by the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, get people more excited. Um, but they go with Laviolette. 
between the two of them, did the Rangers at least make the right decision mm-hmm. as somebody who saw both of those coaches in action for a couple of years each? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. If you, you want to <laughs> sell anybody on Peter Laviolette, have John Hines be okay. Here's plan B. Yep. Yeah, I got and, you. And, and I like John Hines as a person. Right. And I do think he did have some good moments uh, as Nashville Predators head coach. But yeah, for, for what the Rangers are right now, um, I'm compelled to say that John Hines on the New York Rangers would have been an unmitigated disaster for you guys. Yeah, I mean, Hines eventually, I think he'll eventually get another shot. You know, he had some initial success with the Devils. Uh, to your point, you know, a decent season or two maybe with the Predators. Um, but yeah, I think at that point between the two of them, uh, I and most Ranger fans probably would have preferred Pierre Laviolette. So, yeah, that's what ends up happening. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I figure in a second, Nick, we can kind of wrap up today's episode by talking a little bit about the offseason for both teams. Got a couple of questions to ask you about the Predators. They've made a couple of moves, and uh, we'll do that in just a second. Hmm. All right. So, to go ahead and just kind of keep everything rolling here, want to uh, continue and, and kind of close out today's crossover episode here by talking a little bit about free agency and the trade market and everything that uh, the Rangers have done, the Predators have done. And uh, Nick, I wanted to ask you, first of all, about uh, Ryan McDonough. Obviously, he's a former, you know, captain of the Rangers, two-time cup winner with the Lightning, and just spent his last, his first season, rather, uh, this past season with the Nashville Predators. Uh, How did he do in year one? You know, my understanding, toward the end of Tampa's tenure there, um, he was slowing down a little bit, but uh, how how did he do so far with the Predators? Yeah, you know, that's another thing about Ryan McDonough is kind of depends on how you look at it. He definitely slowed down with the Nashville Predators last year. I think if you're going back to his New York Rangers days and there's that number one, you know, puck moving two way defenseman um, that that's not him anymore. Um, But he does have a lot of value. Like he was a key contributor on that Nashville Predators penalty kill blocked a lot of shots, still has, you know, the quickness enough to get into lanes, you know, use his active stick, uh, do takeaways and stuff like that. So he definitely has value there. And just as a leader, you know, you hear a lot of the people in the locker room uh, last year when just all, you know, nonsense broke loose for the Nashville Predators and Yossi was injured and Forsberg was injured and Johansson was injured and Duchesne was injured. People always talk about Ryan McDonough being one of the loudest voices to kind of step up and carry that team. And as we mentioned, disaster happened for the Nashville Predators at the end of last year, and they still almost made the playoffs. They were one game away from getting into the Stanley Cup playoffs. So you have to give somebody like Ryan McDonough credit for kind of steadying the ship, inspiring some of these younger, out-of-nowhere players to step up and have really good end-of-the-years. Um, so, you know, you're he's no, he's not going to be the, the kind of person that is, you know, your top-line guy, your top-pair guy out there every other shift anymore. But... He's still, I think, a valuable piece uh, of this Nashville Predators team. And I think the Predators certainly are going to build a lot of, you know, sort of the leadership around him. Yeah, that's good to hear. I mean, obviously, I was captain of the Rangers. They go to the Stanley Cup finals while he was here. And uh, a lot of, there are a couple deep playoff runs anyway. And good to hear that he's still, you know, a solid player, if not quite the player that he once was. Um, Also, I wanted to get into free agency a little bit. Obviously, uh, one of the bigger signings for the Predators was Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, he gets traded from the Blues to the Leafs at the deadline this past year. Ends up signing in Nashville four years at four and a half million per season. Um, just your thoughts on uh, adding Ryan O'Reilly, who, I mean, 
I know they have a new coach now, but you know, before this season, I would say probably fits their style of play pretty well. But just your thoughts on O'Reilly. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they they moved out Matt Duchesne to kind of bring in Ryan O'Reilly just as, you know, sort of that one veteran forward piece. Um, and, and you can t- kind of see that because Ryan O'Reilly is a different player than Matt Duchesne. He does a lot of two-way play. Uh, something Duchesne wasn't good at. And the Predators have a lot of young players coming into the lineup next year. Maybe people who are still working on their two-way games. Having somebody like Ryan O'Reilly is really going to steady that line. Uh, the other thing is that he can play in a lot of different pieces or, you know, a lot of different places on the ice. Uh, he can be your first line center. You can bump him down to the third line and he's not going to be out of place. You can put him on the penalty kill. You can put him on the power play. You can have him at, on the ice at the end of the game when you're up one, nothing or down one, nothing. And I think the Nashville Predators just didn't have a lot of pieces like that. You, you look at the end of John Hines's era. There's a lot of players that were like situational players where they're only going to be used in this spot or this spot. Ryan O'Reilly, I think is just a good overall hockey player that the Preds can use in a lot of different pieces. And I think having somebody with his versatility is going to help this young team. Yeah, for sure. And, and hearing you describe him that way, and obviously, you know, I'm pretty familiar with Ryan O'Reilly because he's been around for a while, uh, former cup champion and everything. Reminds me a little bit of Vincent Trocek for the Rangers, somebody that's just kind of <laughs> like a B-plus at like pretty much everything, you know, just a really well-rounded, all-around hockey player. And, and you could put him on the ice in, you know, any different type of situation that you can uh, possibly imagine. Um, also wanted to ask, because this is somebody that, you know, we're heading into free agency and I'm looking at potential targets for the Rangers. Somebody that, I had a little bit of an eye on was Gustav Nyquist and Mm -hmm. he is 33 years old. Um, I feel like he got maybe a little bit more than I would have expected at $3.185 million per season for two years, but not a, not a gross overpayment by any means either. But anyway, just your, your thoughts on Nyquist and uh, how the Predators might look to, to use him this year. Yeah, I, Gustav Nyquist was on my radar too. And I think Anna and I talked about him in an episode as somebody that I think would have been a really good fit. Um, I, I watched him back. My parents are, are massive Red Wings fans. So, um, you know, I, I watched him back when he was with Detroit. He's a speedy guy. You, you hear Andrew Burnett and Barry Trotz when they took over. Speed is a word that they use almost in every other sentence at this point is just, you know, how they envision the team. Somebody like Nyquist who, you know, maybe he's, you know, lost some of his game in his older age, but he's still got that speed um, that he's going to help, I think, open things up for, for some of the playmakers on the team. You know, we're not looking at him to be like, you know, a top line scorer or anything like that, but uh, looking at the way he ended the year last year, in Minnesota um, after kind of a bad injury plague run with Columbus, you know, him coming out in the playoffs and having a really good playoffs on a good team. I think that inspired people to be like, okay, you know, he can still be, you know, a 40 to 50 point guy and add some depth uh, to this Nashville Predators lineup. So I like Nyquist game uh, a lot. I'm curious, John, uh, about what the New York Rangers uh, have done this off season, because it kind of seemed like last year, getting Tarasenko, getting Patrick Kane, that it was sort of a load-up year uh, last year in the playoffs. And now, obviously, uh, it doesn't look like those two guys are coming back. Um, Rangers going bargain shopping with, with guys like, you know, Jonathan Quick, guys like Blake Wheeler, you know, our old buddy Nick Bonino coming in. Um, what would you say kind of about the, the – like what grade would you give the Rangers uh, this offseason for some of the moves they've made? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you got to grade a little bit on a curve when you consider uh, their overall lack of cap space, you know, coming into the offseason this year. You know, everybody's got their favorites when you look at free agency and you see who's out there and, oh, this guy could be a good fit and this guy could do this and that. But they signed, like, in the first two days of free agency, they signed, I want to say, 10 total players. And I think the one making the most money is making, like, $825,000 per season. Obviously, some of those guys are going to start the season in the minors. But when you add, you know, depth, forwards guys like Nick Bonino you know who obviously contributed a lot to uh the Penguins winning two cups there and also to the Predators as well um that's a nice signing you know I I don't think they're looking for him to come in and be a superstar they just want him to center the fourth line uh Tyler Pitlick I feel like maybe they see him as a little bit of a replacement for Tyler Mott if they can't re-sign him which at this point I'm, I'm not so sure that they're going to uh, Jonathan Quick, you know, just a veteran backup. They had to go cheap as far as the backup goalie is concerned. And Blake Wheeler, uh, to be able to get him for just $800,000 a year, just twenty five k over the minimum, that's pretty crazy. And I remember when he was first bought out by the Jets and, you know, people were uh, kind of chatting on social media. A couple of people even asked me, you know, do you think Blake Wheeler could be a fit here? And I said, yeah, sure, but I just don't know that they're going to have the money to do it. And then free agency starts and I'm doing a live show. And that was the day, Nick, where uh, – Twitter was acting all all weird and, and you couldn't get anything to load. Yeah. So I'm watching the live chat and people are telling me, oh, Blake Wheeler, 800K, Blake Wheeler, 800K. And I'm like, guys, if you're messing with me right now, I swear to God. Um, and again, look, Blake Wheeler, we were talking about this off air a little bit too. Um, he's not the superstar player that he once was, but when you consider how thin the Rangers are at right wing and the fact that, again, you got this guy for just 25K over the league minimum, um, you have to see that as a win. I, I don't see how... If you're a Ranger fan, you can really be upset about that move. I mean, it, it's somebody who's going to come in here, and even if he's not the player he once was, he's going to make this team better uh, for this upcoming season for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the Rangers for sure because you look at all the other teams in that division and New Jersey's uh, on the up and up. Pittsburgh is always sort of a wild card. You know, you got Carolina right there, another strong team. So, you know, where do you see the Rangers kind of falling in in, in the in the Metro it's, it's hard to say for sure. Um, I, I feel like they'll probably be in the top three as they were this past season. I could see I could see the Canes winning it again. I mean, at this point, like, I feel like, you know, when you're trying to predict this stuff, it's almost boring to just say the Canes will win the division. But, I mean, that is a really competitive division, and they win it every year, it seems like. So, I mean, they haven't really been able to obviously get to the finals or anything like that in the Rod Brindamore era. But, I mean, they're always there. They're always a threat. Uh, Devil is obviously an up-and-coming team. They kind of played the role that the Rangers were playing the season before, you know, where they kind of just came out of nowhere and caught everybody by surprise. I mean, I could see the Rangers finishing like second or third, you know, maybe ahead of the Devils behind the Canes. Um, you know, the Penguins missed the playoffs this past year, but I've learned to never fully count them out. Uh, the Islanders, you know, if they could get some scoring, I, I think they could be a really good team. Obviously they've got a great goalie to, to kind of build around, but uh, yeah, there's, there's no easy games in that division. Even when you're playing teams like the Flyers and the Jackets, it doesn't seem like anything ever Ever really comes easy there. Um, but but how about your division, Nick? Do you see the Predators like you, know, you mentioned that they missed the playoffs only, you know, by a handful of points this yeah. past year? Uh, do they get back to the postseason? Are they back in the dance this year? It's gonna be depend on two things. One is UC Saros. Uh, is he going to be that same game changing, uh, you know, Shesterkin esque goaltender that just steals wins left and right? Uh, if he is, the Preds are certainly in a chance. And number two is gonna be. Do those young players step up? Uh, you know, can somebody fill the scoring void left behind by Duchesne and Johansson? Um, you know, and even a guy like Matias Eckholm or Mikhail Granlund, they got traded the deadline last year. 
those are going to be the two biggest X factors. If those go right, then yeah, I think the Predators can absolutely sneak in uh, to a wild card spot. But again, it's something's got to go right. I hear you, man. I hear you. Uh, it should be uh, an interesting uh, season to watch. I mean, we never know. You know, there's surprises every year. There's teams that surprise you in a good way. There's teams that fall well short of expectations. So, you know, we'll see how the whole thing shakes out. Um, I, I figure, actually, I did want to ask you one more thing because we've been talking about coaches for, you know, a good chunk of today's episode. And obviously, you guys with the new head coach as well, Andrew Burnett, um, you know, interim coach for Florida, did a great job there, assistant coach for the Devils this past season. And obviously, they played very well. Um, your thoughts on hiring Burnett? Like, was he somebody that you thought would get the job? And, and how do you feel now that he does have it? Yeah, I mean, he was sort of always a dark horse just because of the Predators connection. Of course, famously, as everybody wants to point out, scored the first goal uh, in Nashville Predators franchise history. Um, you know, knows Barry Trotz very well. You know, knows the city and team very well. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that I think is kind of considered one of the better young coaching candidates out there. Uh, somebody with a really good offensive mind, uh, somebody who likes to be aggressive. And, you know, after John Hines, you know, who was kind of more structured, more of, you know, sort of a hold your line and wait for your counterattack. I think a lot of people are just excited to see the brand of hockey uh, that Andrew Burnett can bring to the Nashville Predators. And obviously, you know, and takes over Florida. The Panthers uh, go win the uh, President's Trophy, you know, goes to New Jersey. For one season, the Devils all of a sudden come out of nowhere to be, you know, sort of that take that next step. I think a lot of people are hoping that he can have the same effect in Nashville this year as well. Absolutely. And uh, Nick, I, I figured we can call it there, but this is a ton of fun. And um, I did not check the schedule before we did this, but, you know, they're going to play eventually. So if, if you and, and Ann wants to join and uh, we can do a crossover episode before the game, after the game, whatever you guys want to do, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just also want to say, love New York. Uh, love going to games at Madison Square Garden. I've been to three. Uh, and so good luck to the Rangers, you know, rooting for you guys. Appreciate it, man. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll just meet each other in the finals, and then we can do a whole bunch of crossover episodes and have a lot of fun with that. Absolutely. That would be ideal. All right. So, yeah, uh, Ranger fans, Predator fans, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. And uh, we will see you next time.